Taking a little sabbatical because Sweaty Teddy is a father. Hey, doo doo. I guess that's... I am a dad. That's me. <laughs> I've been testing out a few things with him. Like, uh, oh, dad's got you, but I've been trying daddy o. Excuse me, uh, call me daddy o. You, know, you don't like daddy o, huh? Sit. Save the daddy for when you're 55, rediscovering your bowling shirts and trying to wear a fedora, going through this weird, like, Vegas phase. And then that's when you get hip to gambling, and then you gamble away his college fund, like, oh, daddy-o had a little snappy. <laughs> I'll get a chain wallet again. Yeah, just twirling yeah. around oh, like you're so 20s. The, the, the swing revival will be back at that point, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> so yeah, yeah the uh, we're doing an off-topic. Jack's soul is still coming. Ted's still getting the uh, the baby schedule down, but he's we've both been listening to the albums and it's good stuff. Um, yep. But uh, today we're just going to do an off-topic about Teddy and the baby. Yeah, well, it's 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 it, it's really tough because time is kind of um, just like relative. Uh, when you go through parenthood, like you'll look at the clock and it'll be 3 a.m. And then you'll look at the clock again and it'll be uh, like one o'clock in the afternoon. And you're like, where did my day go? Um, so it has been a bit of a whirlwind. But actually, we're recording this on ooh, Thursday morning. Uh, the adventure kind of starts exactly one week ago. Uh, when we, me and my wife went in for inducement. My wife's name is Bryn. If you haven't, most of you know the show. Um, so you know that. But uh, yeah, we went in to get her prepped up. And that was a very crampy day that happened on Wednesday. And so they took a look at her area. And they're like, all right, you guys are going to be good to go tomorrow. So we were all excited. Okay. Baby coming on uh, September the 24th on Thursday. And uh, then we went into the hospital. And we sat there for maybe an hour, and they said to us, "Yeah, you're good. Just go home. Come back tomorrow." <laughs> They're like, "We're like what?" They're like, "Oh yeah, we we're, we're full. We got enough people having babies today." So like, I was what are little... they gonna do? Be like, plug a cork up there? So I can't. It's yeah. not like it's not like holding a deuce till you're going to your home base. It's a drop of shit. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And that was on the twenty third. So I was really hoping to have a Bruce baby. Bruce Springsteen's birthday is the twenty third. Uh, I was all jazzed about that, and then, uh, and then I, I remember going home and I looked at uh, the September twenty fourth babies, and it is the most barren date <laughs> for famous birthdays. Nobody has a birthday on September twenty fourth. Well, there you go. If you uh, if you let old Uncle Brian be his baseball coach, maybe he'll be the next ba- next big thing, and then uh, he'll be the, have the lone spot. It's like oh, well, that's, you know what? There does need to be a trailblazer because we do badly need a September twenty fourth superstar. Uh, like I'm I'm November twentieth. If anyone ever wants to send me gifts, and like my birthday saturated, I got a bunch of rappers, I got a bunch of political people on my birthday. Yeah, I mean I got some good company in mind. You got some good company in yours. April I got 14th. some great company in mine. I got uh, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller and Brad Garrett and <laughs> Pete Rose. And, um, yeah, it's a good birthday on April the 14th. And uh, what's his face? Isn't Chipper Jones? There's a baseball player there. A couple no, of baseball tons, players. There's tons of baseball players. So I've got like um, uh, Tom Glavin, uh, I believe Steve Avery too, uh, Dave Justice. A lot of those Braves were all April yeah, I was gonna say. Um, what's it called? Jake's uh, probably jealous. Greg Zahn, Brad Osmus, um, 
April 14th is a good day for, yeah. fa- for baseball birthdays. And you fell uh, off just a few days shy of Hitler's birthday. Like, uh, remember... Uh, I'm you more would... than a week shy! What? More than a week! No, I know, well, but... less than a week. Six no, days, it's the, still. Cause, uh, wasn't Adam Giammarco's birthday the 18th? Isn't that Hitler's oh, birthday? Oh, he was the 20th. He oh, okay. was born on Hitler's birthday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Of all the things to tease a fifth grader about, that's what our class did. <laughs> like, you can help <laughs> when you're born. <laughs> Yeah, like you can help that. Also, he was a tough kid, so <laughs> that's what I don't you know. pick on him for. There was that time where remember uh, you and him were buried in the snow. Like we we did that dog pile, and like you were loving it. We were all just dumping snow, and you're having a ball because you had your big puffy coat and you didn't care. And Adam came in crying, <laughs> but then again, well, I think people were a little rough around him. Not everyone enjoys being buried in snow. <laughs> that's kind of an understandable thing to cry about. Well, he was also a bully, a little bit. But he got better over time. Yeah. As most bullies do. So, uh, so yes. Take us back. So, you're in Deuce. Set the you, scene. You, sent, you were sent home. So what, you sat there watching TV until you like, we, came back? We had a movie marathon. Because at this point, Bryn's contractions had kind of like slowed right down. Because they were really bad when they, they set her up. But they had slowed right down. Uh, we had a little movie marathon. So what did we watch? We watched Mrs. Doubtfire. And then we watched uh, Big... With Tom Hanks. We're going through a lot of Tom Hanks these last couple of days. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. And then, uh, what else did I want? Was it Tom Hanks' impression? What the I fuck don't know. Was that? I don't know. He's always like, ah, oh, I'll tell you. There, so there's a, ah! Yeah. Oh, my God! There's that. When he gets all was, set! I think it was yeah. almost more of a Don Knotts, but. Wow! Yeah, kind of. There are two about the ostriches. Uh, but yeah, no, we just watched a bunch of movies. Uh, then we went to bed early to get there for uh, eight o'clock, and uh, we showed up at the at the maternity, uh, sorry, the labor and delivery area, and the waiting room was full of pregnant women. So it was another. We knew it was going to be another long day, and they promised us we'd be at the top of the list. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, in and out of here by like three o'clock. I really thought I was going to have a baby by dinner time. <laughs> I did. Wasn't quite as simple though. They took us into this great uh, birthing area. It was me, Bryn, and my mother-in-law, Deb. And um, they bring us in. It's a nice big room. And I remember saying to the nurse as she's hooking us up, I'm like, well, hopefully they don't send us home. She goes, no, no, no. You're having your baby today. And that was a big relief. I was like, all right, we're going to have and, it. Um, just a second there, Professor. I just want to ask, for people like myself who've never gone through this process, now, yeah. like, when you induce, like, what does that exactly do? Like it starts the it, okay, so it's, it's, it starts the uh, the contractions. Okay. So it it basically just your area. takes it, your body to the next like gear or something, right? Yes. It, no. It, it it doesn't take it to the next gear. It it stretches. Okay. The exit. Okay. Like, gotcha. Makes the exit gotcha. door a lot bigger. Gotcha. Because uh, you got to get to ten centimeters. Right. That's the goal. So whatever you hear, there's so and so centimeters dilated. You got to stretch out to ten. That's when he could deliver. So they hooked her up on... And we kind of just sat around for most of the morning. They got her on a drip um, and on some fluids. and uh, But it was like... We got there at 8.30, 8 o'clock. We're all set to go. We're reeling and ready to go to have this baby. Um, I'm playing a bunch of music uh, to get her, uh, her relaxed and everything like that. But also to kill time. There's not much to do other than just sit there and wait. Um... And we're playing the waiting game. And nothing's really happening. So 1 o'clock, and we are hoping by 1 o'clock that she is 10 centimeters and we can get the show on the road, or her water would have broken itself. Well, the doctor comes in at 1 o'clock, takes a look, and she was only 2 centimeters at that point. So, okay. So he's got to go in and break the water. Sounds more painful than it was. Um... You get kind of this long metal crochet hook, crochet hook, if you will. Like when you're crocheting, a little hook. And you stick it in there and you grab the um, area. The, the amniotic sac. The amniotic sac. Thank you, honey. And you just pull. <laughs> and poof. Out comes the water. And it is like a flood. It is just like they showed in the movies. It is a ton of freaking water. Is there like a, uh, right was there a bucket under or like a, uh... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they had that all set up. Well, she, basically you're in a diaper. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're in a diaper, but the, the, the diaper's 
when you get that much fluid rushing you at once, the diaper's not going to pick it all up. So it was a rush, but she got to go to the washroom after and everything like that. But that is really when the fun began because that is when the contractions start. And I mean fun. Fun in the sense of watching your wife, your life partner, the person you love the most on this wor- in this world, grow through insane, searing pain I'm offended that by comes that hard. Pardon me? I said I'm offended by that remark. What? But you're my hetero life. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. Silent Bob. <laughs> watching her go through this pain of this, that area, stretching out, because it hurts like hell. And it comes in waves, as you've heard, contractions. So we sat there for two, three hours of these contractions coming and coming hard. And I was reading her like office trivia questions to try to get her mind off of it. We're singing along to every song that's coming on our, our playlist for Spotify. Um, I was uh, holding, you know, just sitting there holding her hand too and we kept doing this illusion. Like, you know when you go to the gym and you do intervals? Yeah. You know how you get the break in the interval? Yeah. And it's like the best feeling and you get to just relax a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Then you gotta get geared up because you gotta go and run again. That's how I was treating it with her. Because you do get like this crazy relief in between the contractions where just nothing's happening and you're relaxed and serene a little bit. You know what I mean? So I was really trying to do that game where it's just like, all right, prep, prep, and now we're going to run. It's all hell and it's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible, it's horrible. And then it's coming down. Okay, relax, relax. (laughs) Enjoy this. Enjoy this while it can. You know, like that's my best way to keep her mind off of it. And that was really, really, really tough. Let me ask you, because originally, like we've been talking about this for months off and on. Um, Originally, you guys were, the doctor estimated it as an October baby. Like, what was the, why did they overshoot it? Because they, was is Freddie early or is he right on time? Freddie was carried, okay, so he's early, but he was carried to term. Okay. So basically, most people they deliver forty weeks. That's their due date. That's their due date when they give it to you at the hospital. It's forty weeks, but to carry a baby to term is thirty-seven weeks. Oh, okay. So that's when you get the full. So you get a bit of wiggle room. room The full time in the puck. Yeah, it's like when you get a pizza and you cook it in the oven, and they're like, uh, "Cook this for thirty to forty-five minutes." All right. If you cook it longer than forty-five minutes, it's gonna burn. But if you take it out at like thirty-two minutes. Still going to be edible. Still going to be delicious. Still going to be a nice, healthy pizza. Canada FM does not condone eating babies. <laughs> he was a little undercooked. Yeah, he was t- the tiniest bit undercooked. But he didn't get that nice, soft crust then. You know what I mean? Who wants a crust? You know what I mean? Who wants that overcooked pizza, you know? So that's what that means. Now I want pizza, but, I mean, but now I feel like I'll be a cannibal. <laughs> Imagine going to a pizza place. One baby, please. I mean, uh, pepperoni. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I was 38 weeks. Yes. So she oh, was okay. 38 weeks. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, these contractions are coming fast and furious. And we're sitting there. We're looking. At it. it feels like you're there 10 minutes. And then you look at the clock and it's been like two hours. Two hours of just horrendous pain. So nurse came back in. Doctor came back in. They talked to her like, do you want an epidural? Because I hadn't dilated at all. Because she hadn't dilated at all. She was still at two centimeters. And she was like, yeah, all right, let's do this. Epidural. Now, an epidural, uh, you get that fluid by, they, they put a needle into your spine. So it can be very painful. Yeah. And they have to, like, it's the weirdest thing. They have to sew it in. Ooh. So, yeah. What? Did they sew it in? She had, like, a thread? No. And she was. The thread was, like, a tube that administered the, the medicine. They didn't sew anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so the reason why I took the epidural is because I hadn't dilated at all, so my body wasn't relaxed enough yes. to open the door. That's the other thing, too. So when you go through these contractions, if you're fighting it, if you're like, not fighting it, but if you are feeling the pain and it's brand new to you, uh, your body is, is just, it's the door's not going to open. It's too stressed. It's too stressed. Uh, okay. So they, Dr. Feelgood, I called her, came in. <laughs> And here's the hard part, though. She's got to go from lying down to sitting up and dealing with these contractions. So the nurse and I are holding Bryn still because she has to sit perfectly still for her to install this epidural. And I'm, like, grabbing onto her and going, it's okay. Look at me. Look at me. Don't move. But you're in a lot of pain right now. They have to do it in between the contractions, too, because they can't do it during a contraction. Right. It's the strangest thing. 
Because they need to make sure the contractions work, or the epidural. Yes, they need to make sure it works. So she's going through all this pain and everything like that, and then suddenly, nothing. Suddenly there's no pain. Suddenly she's just relaxing, and the contractions are coming because you can feel them just a bit. They want you to feel it, so when it's time to push, uh, you can feel it. But they calmed right down. Not as bad anymore. So that was wave one. I would say was over and done with at that point. I was actually wave okay. two. Wave one was us getting ready to come to the hospital and then nothing happening. Wave two was contractions. Then epidural marked the end of wave two. So we all kind of just like relaxed. Um, my mother-in-law and I ordered some McDonald's. We had that brought in because uh, hospital food is exactly what they describe hospital food to be. It's not great. I think it depends because if you actually go to the real cafeteria, it's okay. I think if you're getting like what patients yeah, get, the it's room, not garbage. Yeah, the room service that's lousy. Yeah. yeah. So they had some kind of gross stuff and they only bring in like one meal because it's like it was me and my mother-in-law. They're like, you can have two people there for delivery. But they only bring you one meal. There's only one couch to like sleep on. And uh, they they're only they're only prepared for one person, put it that way. But you you should have two people. They, you're, that's what you're allowed during the COVID times. Um. So anyway, now we're into the thick of things because it's dinner time, and our biggest entertainment at this point was kind of looking out the window. The music had kind of stopped because Bryn was getting sleepy at this point, and we had some dinner, and we we're just kind of like, let's just relax. Oh, I put the Jays game on my phone. That was oh it. nice. That was the other thing we do. So that was game two when we lost to the Twins. So, of course, we lose that night. <laughs> but I did kind of look at the clock, and I'm like, okay, she's not having this baby tonight. <gasps> this means September 25th, baby. Let's check out who was born on September 25th. You know who was born on September 25th? Tons of cool people. Uh. So, Will Smith, Donald Glover, both Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's Mark Hamill was born on September 25th. So now I'm like, okay, a lot better birthdays here on September 25th. Okay? Uh, slowly but surely, the exit door started opening up. And Britain was a lot more relaxed. And she could sleep a little bit. And I was still a bit of a basket case. And here's the other thing I had to think about, too. I had to think about where I was going to sleep. Because my mother-in-law, who's in the hospital with us, she is less than a month out from having a small heart attack. Right. So there's no way in hell, because she's very, uh, what's it called? Nope, nope, this is you guys' thing. You know what you guys do it. She would have given me the couch. Right. But I was like, I am not letting you sleep on the floor. <laughs> you just had a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. So try to get comfortable at one point on the floor. And also my shoulder was bothering me too. And I just couldn't do it. Uh, but eventually at like 1 a.m., I needed to sleep, and I just kept thinking of John Oliver there from Community when he shows up late. Sorry, late class. Sidewalk's more comfortable than it looks. Just kept thinking about that. Like, this isn't so bad. You just got to find your groove. So I did sleep on the floor for I think a good like hour and a half. I do remember at one point the nurse coming in, and I was like, "Do I have to get up?" And she's like, "No, nope, she's only eight centimeters." And I was like, "All right, gonna go back to sleep." You know what you should have and done I, in hindsight? Yeah. During that, I guess it would be wave two or whatever, when you had the Jays game going and stuff, you should have just thrown your uh, a video chat with your brother. He would have said something or done something to create this weird uh, essence in the room where I think either Bryn would have just like gotten so mad <laughs> the baby would have just shot out, or uh, <laughs> or would have he would have said something ridiculous that so would have made her like laugh and relax a little bit more. It's hard to say. He's, he's, he's good at that stuff. Yeah. He is. He's good at finding distractions. Um, he did go through. I'm trying to see if he did send it, say anything. Um, let me check that. Oh, damn it. Look at this. He, he did throughout what? You spill all over yourself? Yeah. <laughs> turning I, into me. I missed my mouth. Yeah. You're turning into me. Um. Yeah, but no, he did say so. His his big distractions more came once he found out the name, because then he was just rattling off every celebrity reference he could possibly think of. So like we named our baby, uh, we gave him the middle name Fox, because uh, you know Bryn now is a forester, and we wanted to find like a cool naturey kind of thing for a middle name, and you know Freddie Fox, that just sounds like a Marvel secret identity, you know. Yeah. 
by day, mild manner reporter Freddy Fox. Uh, you know, works for the Daily Bugle. By night, he stocks the streets as the Night Fox or something. But like even that. like, uh, how many, how many singers or actors go by like their middle name? Where it's like that's like Fred Freddie Fox is a great stage name it's if cool he becomes name. an actor or something or a musician. There is I looked it up. There is an actor named Freddie Fox. Oh really? Some English bloke. Yeah. The midwife's gonna show up in a few minutes. All right. Midwife's going to be here shortly, so i got to get uh, off of the chat pretty soon. Uh, to I'll have to call you back, but we'll just finish okay. up here. Um, so she'll be here soon because she, she, that's a great thing. If you're going through labor, and get a midwife. They are awesome. You'll get so much support. You'll learn so much. They do at-home care up to six weeks after the baby's here. Highly recommend the midwife. Um, and it was about this point in the night that our midwife actually showed up because we were getting ready to push. And it was quick. The doctor popped his head in. I was asleep. Time to wake up, everybody. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, shit. And I got up. And basically, you get like 45 minutes to prep for pushing. And uh, we'll leave it there because the third wave of this uh, birth story was about to begin. All right. We'll be, right. through the magic of editing, it'll appear seamless. <laughs> Boom. And, yeah, just like new. And it even kind of breaks up where uh, there's a little line there to indicate where we left off. All right. So I think where I left off, Brian, was I was talking about phase three of the birthing. Yeah. Yes. Phase three was a very painful phase for Bryn. Because that just involved pushing. So you get like a 45-minute period where the doctor says, all right, time to push. You're 10 centimeters dilated. Uh, the midwife comes in, and the midwife, like I said, super helpful. Uh, totally recommend uh, using a midwife service when you're going through a pregnancy. And uh, they basically, and the nurse, and the two nurses we had were awesome, they basically kind of guide you through how to push. And you're supposed to do, before the doctor gets in, push the head underneath the pelvic bone. Okay? This is the hardest part of the birthing process. So uh, because she was all drugged up on the uh, uh, drugs, she couldn't feel the pushing. So you have to have the midwife there to stick her fingers down there and tell you how far away the head is from getting to the, the exit door. Okay? And you can see it, too. It's kind of cool. It's all gray and white and covered in what they call it. The, they they kind of call it the cheese, if you want to get gross about it. Yeah, the cheese. Vernix. Oh, vernix, I guess is the correct term. We just kept calling it the cheese. Um, and you just see it sticking out there, you know? Ooh. I looked right at it. I know those movies, people get traumatized. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's a head coming out of a vagina. Look at it. Yeah. Look at it. It's, <laughs> it's funny. That's like... There's a documentary or something coming out on Netflix about, uh, mm -hmm. it's hosted by Rob Lowe, and it's about all of the TV tropes, or film tropes, like cinema sure. tropes. That should be one. Like, I know it's not a plot device, but it's a gag. It's like a, it's like a spit take. It's like someone looks at the, at a pregnant woman's hoo-ha, and either passes out, throws up, or just like, uh, or says some snippy remark. And you know, that's, it's also the reason, too, that, um. Uh Catherine Heigl got the movie knocked up because they originally offered it to Anne Hathaway. She was so appalled that they'd show the crowning on film that she said, take this out or I'm not going to do it. And they're like, all right, we'll get someone else. Ugh. Well, I mean, respect to them for sticking with it, but at the same time, I would have almost uh, gotten not done it just so, Aunt, uh, what's her face? Catherine Heigl wasn't in it because she's the worst. <laughs> you know what, though? It's part of life. It's a thing that exists. Yeah. It's part of life. So uh, I'll tell you, she got through that first tough part real quick when she pushed it down below the pelvic bone. So then they bring in the doctor. And um, what's it called? Then you got to keep pushing and to get it all the way out. And um, <clears throat> now I'm going to get a little graphic. <laughs> I have it already. Um, it, there, it, there's a correct term for it. Babe, what's the term for the snip snips? Episiotomy. Episiotomy, that's it. Okay, an episiotomy is where they've got to cut certain areas to make room. 
And Freddy's got a giant head. He's got a Jessup head. So he's got a big Jessup head. That's true. And so to get it through, he had to make a couple of, of snips. Ugh. Now he f- he freezes her. She can't feel a thing. But it was really tough because he kept asking the nurses, the nurses she's helping, can you get me a new pair? This one's dull. Oh, and then he tried to make the cuts with the dull scissors. And then out of nowhere, as he's about to deliver my son, the doctor has a sneezing fit. <laughs> it's like shaking the moil. <laughs> he's like, ah, choo, ah, choo. He's got the mask on and everything. Like, it's, it's not going to affect anything. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to have a sneezing fit now? You're like, you're gonna babies? S- you're going to stab the soft spot. So the snipping. So between pushing the hand underneath the pelvic bone, the snipping, the sneezing fit, the fresh... Sharp pair of scissors, not like the dull pair he was using earlier. After 90 minutes of pushing, they pull out my son, Freddy Fox, in all his glory. And I get to see him, and he's covered in blood, and he's covered in the goo. But he's a human, and he's crying, and he looked exactly like he looked on the ultrasound. Except... He's got, like, a xenomorph skull which from Alien, which I wasn't uh, uh, prepared for. So, like, whoa, what's with the locked skull? It takes, and they're like, it takes time for it to, like, kind of reshape, right? Because yeah, after being well, pushed. It, it only takes, like, an hour or two. Oh. Like, it, it, it's real quick when it rounds out. It doesn't take that long. But it was all long. And there he is. And the crying started. And uh, hopefully he doesn't start crying right now, but it's kind of like a... <laughs> Not the... <laughs> that Norm MacDonald cry I was hoping for. Or the... <laughs> broadcaster cry. But or the... Uh, <laughs> or the Ted Brogan, the Will Ferrell sketch. Oh, God, it was hot in there. I tell you, it was rough. <laughs> We're not going to name you Michael. The name's Teddy, mama. The name is Ted movie. Brogan. Man, what's wrong? I'm hungry. What do you want? Well, Denver omelet sounds mighty tempting, but I'll settle for a little booby. <laughs> he goes to Vegas with Charlie Sheen and Catman. Wow. <laughs> Where the Catman was. Uh, so, yeah. So then he's there. And then, then the emotions hit in. Because right where we knew it was going to be like those last couple of pushes, I looked down. And I realized I'm not standing on steady legs. Like, the adrenaline had taken over, and my legs were shaking like you wouldn't believe. And I had to hold on to the um, the bed to stay up. Because it was... I was about to collapse. Now, was it because of the overwhelming, like, uh, you know, because you hadn't slept much, you're kind of probably a little hungry, all these things? Or was it just the... It, it, was, it, was, it was because of everything. Yeah. It was the emotion of the time, the fact that you spent like this this like nine month pregnancy full of all kinds of emotions, all kinds of ups ups and downs. You don't know what to expect. All you're hoping for is a healthy baby, and it's about to happen. You are there. It is the zero hour. It's going to happen. That takes over with the fact that you're watching someone that you love uh, with all your heart going through hell. For three hours, three hours of pushing. No, not three hours of pushing. Ninety minutes of pushing. That was what it was. Ninety minutes of pushing. This horrible three-hour contraction period. You're going through everything, and it's as nah. It's not a fantasy anymore. It's not like when our son gets here. It's he's here. Yeah. He's knocking down your door. That takes that out of it. And then when they lift him out, and he's good, and he looks just like he did, except for that long-ass skull. <laughs> and they rest him right on top of Bryn for the immediate skin-to-skin, which they do. And then they bring you over. They bring me over. Give me a cut the umbilical cord, which uh, took me a surprise. I didn't expect it to bleed. I read that it did bleed, but it still took me by surprise. And I had to cut twice because I think the doctor gave me the same damn scissors <laughs> that he was trying to use. And do you remember him telling you it's spongy, so you have to cut hard? Yes, he said it's spongy, so you have to cut hard. And then, like, a little bit of blood shoots out of it, which I expected. Um... Then I was just, it, it wasn't even crying. It was just almost like hyper, hyperventilating, like that. Like, you know how when you, you really weep, it's, you know, you get that, 
uh, 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 movement where you bounce up and down. I was getting that, but I wasn't like tears or I wasn't crying. So, you know, they do that. The midwife takes him on and puts him on the heater, does all the, you know, test reflexes, checks the heartbeat, makes sure he's adjusting well. Everything's going good. Um, they give him back to Bryn. They took some pictures um, and they work on, you know, taking care of her because she's in a lot of, that area is in a lot of pain and danger. Not danger, but a lot of pain and a lot of bleeding and crap like that. No, no poop. She not poop herself. I was going to ask. I've always that's heard always that's a thing. thing yeah. it's, it's a thing that you shit yourself. Bryn did not shit herself. Yeah, she did good there. And um, so you'll be proud of me. I walked into the bathroom. Wait, did you shit yourself? No, no, no. No, no, no. You'll be proud of me. Just had a baby. The whole experience, 8 a.m. to 5.54 in the morning, almost a 24-hour process. I walked into the bathroom, looked in the mirror. What do you think I did to regain my composure? Splash some cold water on your face? (laughs) Splash some water on my face. I even said to myself, I'm like, Looks like it's time for the Brian Lash special. <laughs> <laughs> and the water, I remember there's a what was the show? Have you ever heard the podcast How Did This Get Made? I've With, heard of uh, it. Um, Paul Paul Shear. Paul? Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis. Yeah. Uh, they were reviewing The Devil's Advocate, and there's a scene where Keanu Reeves goes and splashes some cold water on his face. And I think Paul Shear goes, Has, does that work? Has anyone tried that? They're all like, oh, yeah, it works great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you splash a little water, and you say, it works great. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, did that, and then, um, oh, my God, that's much. I called my mom, because she couldn't be there, and she got to hear him cry, you know, and I got to put out the announcement to everybody. And, um, you know, then I got to do skin to skin. So, like, take your shirt off. Here comes your son. And that's a big thing with Bonnie, especially when they're brand new, is you sit there, they're naked, you've got no shirt on. I don't breastfeed at that point. Oh, yeah. And they, they, they teach you how to breastfeed and stuff like that. But for me, it's just like, this is your dad. Have your bonding moment with your dad. So he sits there in a chair and, yeah, he was crying a little bit. But I, I would be, too, if I just had a big move like that. And um, you know, they wrapped him up. Um, Bryn did try, yeah, she tried to b- breastfeed him. And I did. And she did. And um, then we had to move everyone, the whole party, the whole caravan, because by now, it felt like it was five minutes. It's been like 90 after he's because, given because birth. Because now it's 8 o'clock. Because now it's 8 o'clock in the morning. So we gave birth to him at 5.54, and suddenly it is 8 o'clock in the morning and visiting hours are over, and they're getting set to kick me out. Well, visiting hours had just begun. That's it. So I could have stayed, but I'm like. Yeah, they said that if I had given birth in the middle of the night, you had a, you would give, you would have been given eight hours, six hours, six hours. Um, but because I had given birth at like six a.m., they were just like, well, then you can leave at eight p.m. Yeah. When visiting hours are over. Yeah. So I could have stayed an additional twelve hours at the hospital. <laughs> I was a little bit tired. And, of course, knowing me, I would not have taken my eyes off of Freddy. I just would have watched him the whole time because it's still pretty amazing, right? So they swaddled him, and that's cute because they look like a little caterpillar, right? They've got their arms and legs are all wrapped up in a towel and just their giant head sticking out. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I got to push the cart down to the um, the the room that Bryn was going to stay. And uh, I tell you, I came home, was going to meet her back after I just took a nap. I slept only about three and a half hours, but it was literal head to pillow, whoosh, yeah. out. Those are the best. Out like a like, yeah. Slept like a baby, and I went back to the hospital around noon. Um, I remember this is going to sound silly, so I took a shower, okay, and I said, "Now I'm going to have a formal meeting with my son. This is an occasion. I'm going to get dressed up nice." So I literally put on a sh- you know dress shirt. High vest, cleaned up the beard, took a shower. I walked in, wore my, it was raining a little bit, so I got to wear my grandfather's old, like, trench coat. I looked like I was running the show. I walk in there and they go, oh, you need to have some more skin to skin. Take off your shirt. (laughs) So off came the vest. Off came the tie. Off came the dress shirt. Off came the undershirt, which said world's greatest dad bod. And we did skin to skin, and I'm like, I'm not putting all that shit back on. (laughs) 
So, of course you're not. So much for a formal occasion. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, I mean, obviously I would have no memory of this because I don't have some weird eidetic memory where you can recall back to your birth. Um, mm. But because I was a C-section, because my mom has scoliosis, and yeah. so they had to, you know, do the operation. I wonder if it's different for C-section babies, but I guarantee you, I probably did not have that skin-to-skin moment with my dad. There's no fucking way. <laughs> they give it to you when you have a C-section still. They do. In fact, uh, the couple in the room next to us, um, I believe they had had a scheduled C-section. And they just had a lot more... There's just like, I feel like there's just a lot more aftercare. Yeah, well, they cut somebody open. No, they cut you open. And then there's a thing, too, that women go through when they have a C-section. Some women, I should say. Where you're, like, convinced that your organs are out of order because they shift them around. Some sort of weird mania to go through? Yeah, it's a mania. It is. You know that they're in there correctly because they don't take them out. Like, some people are like, oh, they take them out and lay them on the table. They move them around and stuff to get to where they got to be. Um... Anyhow, we did get to that point, too, where we knew how big his head was, and we knew that we might have to have a C-section, which, totally cool. No ifs, ands, or buts, as long as he's out there safely. But no, we, we were able to push it out and have a va- uh, vaginal. But I, what I was doing when I was more just making fun of my dad, I could see it's like, all right, Mr. Oh. Last, take off your shirt. Ah, hard pass. I'm going to have a smoke. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you, <laughs> you can't have it here. I know it's the 80s, but it's still a hospital. <laughs> I think that the hospital's bad, but you did like my mother-in-law worked in the OR for ages, and she remembers doctors lighting up a cigarette after like a successful operation <laughs> to like cool their nerves. You know, like there was a different time back then. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, went back to the hospital, stayed with Bryn there. They did some tests on him, took his blood. He was passing all the vitals really well, but the whole day it's just one of us is holding him. We can't get enough of it. This is our son. Um, and But it was the next day that we had a little bit of a... It's not even a scare, but it was to me because I'm a brand new parent. So basically, there is a, um, a thing. Babies have to pass certain cells. They're called Billy Rubin cells. Yeah, I was going to ask, did he have any... Uh... Because I know after when they're born, they do certain tests to see if there's any yeah. uh, mental slowness or things like that where they might have a learning condition. I know it's too early to tell. Well, they actually but... do a lot of that before oh. they're even born. Interesting. So like, there's like a whole um, test that you do that can show signs and markings of Down syndrome and stuff like that. There's all kinds of tests that you do where they're still in utero. Oh. So they, didn't, they don't do anything like that really afterwards because you can't tell to a certain point. Right. But the one thing that they worry about is jaundice, oh, okay. because you know your liver's got it's got to break down stuff, and there's certain things that happen during a birth that can lead to increased levels of jaundice, uh, increased risk of jaundice versus low risk. And Freddie, because he had a little bit of bruising on the back of his head, was at low risk for being high risk. So we're thinking, okay, this is a total normal thing. We know that. What we don't know is the therapy for it, because it's brand new to me. What they do is they sit him on what looks like a tanning bed. And it's a comfortable bed. It's got a pad, right? But he's got to be on there all day except for feedings. And they put little eyeglasses on him. <laughs> like a little... You know where Brett, how Bret Hart always had that like weird like those those shades that he'd walk out in? Yeah. They kind of look like that. Okay. But he, he can't see. It's to protect his eyes. Yeah. So he's got to wear this and be on the thing. And he hates it. Because all day one, he's just hugging up to mom and dad. And day two, he's just out there in the open, right? Yeah. And it was, oh, my God, it was heartbreaking for me to watch him be so upset. And, oh, boy, can he cry. He's a crier. That bottom, uh, what's it called? That bottom jaw just quivers back and forth. Yeah. So we had to leave him on there all day. Thankfully, it's in the nursery. We found that we could calm him down by, like, holding his little hands. Yeah. He likes that. Yeah. So that calms him down. And, um... But it was just emotionally taxing day two when we had to stay there. Um, but, you know, the next day they did the tests. They brought those back. And his levels were fine. He was back to low risk. So we got to go home on Monday. And then the fun began. Because <laughs> Monday was a very long first night. Because he basically, you're supposed to feed them every two hours. Right. We heard from some nurses, I can feed them every three 
Another intercept every four. Okay. Um, but it's two is what you want. Um, he basically would only eat what he'd want to eat. Well, the, yeah, that's the thing. They know, like, even at that age, they still probably know their body. Like, cause, yeah. Uh, our dear departed friend Malcolm's dad always said, I mean, it's not his phrase, but he's just like, sleep when you're tired, eat when you're hungry. That's my motto. Yeah. Well, it's a good rule of thumb, too, for an adult. Um, but with him, he doesn't know any better, right? Yep. So it's like, yeah, we need you to get into this habit. And he was just, I want to sleep now, which is great because he's a sound sleeper, but... Geez, we needed to feed him. So we had a very stressful first night, up all night. I remember. Well, I also couldn't stop watching him because immediately you get freaked out over the possibility of SIDS, right? Um, so That's sudden infant death syndrome for those who might not know. Yeah. Can you imagine there was a sudden adult death syndrome where you just die? It's called a heart attack. I guess it's called a heart attack, but still. Um, but, like, what's it called? So that put a tremendous stress on me, even though I knew he's in this bassinet with nothing else in there, in his sleep sack, air passages are clear, no risk, I'm still checking him every two seconds, right? You know, let me, and, let me interject here. For those who might not know Ted and I as intimately as we know each other, <laughs> I have grown up with this man, and he has been a, a cautious Curtis as long as I've known him, from making sure doors are locked. Uh, if he... If his parents called my parents at, at my house, like if he came over and didn't expect a phone call, he immediately goes for the, who died? What's going on? Is everything all right? They're like, yeah, we're yeah. just telling you we're going to your grandma's. We won't be home when you get home. Just relax. You know what I mean? That's how it was. And well, that's like, how, just, just, just how it is. Yeah. And uh, so now I can only imagine everything is going up to 11 now that you're a dad. Like, oh, God. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get better, especially because after that I long mean, it's night, only been five days not even it's been five days yeah yeah so after that night the midwife came over she's like everything's fine with him you're doing fine she gave him some tips for feeding him his feeding has dramatically improved now he's eating like a champ he snacked all morning you know he's he's doing good and he's sleeping a lot and he's alert that's good for a good period of time too so and more alert every day and we had another meeting with the midwife she's like he's gained six ounces in two days she's like that's phenomenal like this is the best you can hope for with a baby that they're gaining this much weight so because they lose a lot of weight after they're, yeah. they're born and i know uh, campbell told me with his son uh it took him three weeks to get him back to birth weight yeah she's like with this she's like if he keeps going at this rate he could be back to birth weight by the weekend yeah so we'll see what happens but i'm feeling a lot better now that's good it still catches me because like we'll be walking we'll t- we take him for walks because even though he's better with uh the uh the, the jaundice um, they see sunlight's still good for him, so we take him for these little walks, and we'll be crossing the street, and there'll be a car way at the end of the street, and I'll just be like, right, "Watch out for that car! Car's coming. Okay. Car's probably a five-minute drive from us." <laughs> and I'm still like, "Watch out! Watch out!" I thought you weren't supposed. Yeah. Thought it was like a new puppy where you're not supposed to like take him out in the public for like a little bit. No. Well, okay. <laughs> no, you can take them out. They encourage it, especially just to get sunlight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially um, now that we're heading into the fall and winter when. Uh, Sunlight will be at a minimum. Exactly. Now, if it was minus 40 out there... Yeah, obviously. I would not be taking them for a walk. <laughs> no, you, but, you can just sit them yeah, by the, the windowsill. Yeah, have a baby. Oh, exactly. And just lets the sunlight well, come then, in. Even then, how cold it can get by the windowsill up here in Thunder Bay. And remember, I'm in Thunder Bay. Um, oh, you don't have to remind me. I, it's, a, it's a fodder for non-stuff jokes for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually the perfect time of the year to have a baby. Yeah. Temperatures, it's like it's been great recently. High teens, early low twenties, um, sunlight, sunshine every day. It's been nice. We're having a warm fall, and that's good for the baby. So I'm backtracking. So that must have been a New Year's conception. Why did it just sound Australian? Conception. <laughs> I didn't catch any of that. I said, I'm just backtracking the math because we're in the ninth month. So that must have been like a Christmas oh. or a New Year's conception. Uh, yeah. We're, fa- we're thinking New Year's, or maybe the week following Christmas into New Year's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you haven't, you're not going on vacation now, are you? Because they always say that it's best for you to go on your paternity leave or whatever you're entitled to, uh, like maybe around the five six month when he's a little bit when he's a little more scurrying around and needs more help. Yeah. So what? What? How's 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 it working? Is I'm on a, I'm on vacation. Oh, okay. 
I took uh, a week of vacation, and they let me like burn the last three days of last week with sick days. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, so that was good. So uh, I get, um, I, I'll take my maternity actually at the end of, uh, sorry, my paternity <laughs> at the end of Bryn's maternity. Okay. So I can just be home with him and do all that stuff when she goes back to work. So that'll be, it won't be till next summer that I actually take my paternity leave. Yeah, most um, of our friends didn't take anything. Well, I don't even think Brian yeah. got to take any, but uh, or if he did, it was maybe a week. But Cam um, uh, Campbell got to take like two months. Yeah, that's because he's with the government. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. There you go. So I just get that, you know, for for just being able to afford it. We didn't want to go on at the same time. Yeah. So no, that makes sense. But this is good though, because I uh, because he was actually born on my fourth anniversary. With the company I work for. The exact day, September 25th that I started, he, he was born. So I get an extra vacation day now. So I get three weeks. So I'm going to burn my second week of vacation for this year um, on the last week of December. And my first week of vacation for next year on the first week of December, uh, January. So I'll be home for back-to-back weeks right at the end of, uh, of the year. Um, yeah. So uh, And then when Bryn, with Bryn being off, I'll have two more weeks to burn. So I'll just pick times to use those, and uh, I'll be down a lot more this year right. with the boy. Very good. Yeah, you know it's uh, yeah. it goes to appreciate what our great our grandparents went through because my mom is one of nine. Your dad was one of what five, six, four, four. four. Okay. So I thought he had like four brothers and a sister, or was it three brothers? No, he had, uh, he had, he had. So he had two brothers. He had uh, my uncle Peter, who uh, passed away in like his thirties, and um, my uncle Clyde, who yep. made it to eighty three, and he just recently passed yeah. away. And they had my aunt Mary, who had lung cancer. She died in her like sixties, late sixties, early seventies. So my dad's the last, last Jessup standing. Well, he's also he had a he has eight years on them because there's what a, a massive gap, well, right? Yes, he 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 likes to call himself a happy accident. Yeah, and your brother, uh, your wedding toast, uh, basically gave the family history for those who might not be in the Jessup inner sanctum who don't know that story. Like I knew it, and that like I'm standing behind him about to give my speech, or did, did I go first? Or I guess I had already gone. He went, but. Uh, yeah. And he's telling that your dad was like an oopsie baby or an accident or whatever. And everyone's like, I'm like this. Like, I got my hand over my face like, oh, jeez. But your brother has no filter. The two people laughed their heads off. Uh, My father-in-law and my uncle Clyde. (laughs) The the two of them were, (laughs) thought it was hilarious. And when he's going off, something happened on March 9th, 1947. Brent is like dagging her nails into my thigh. She's like, what the fuck is he going to start talking about World War II? Is he going to start talking about Hitler? What's he doing? Yeah. Do you remember my first words to the baby? No. My first words to oh, my it, child. Oh, you're an actual baby. Was, oh my God, you're actually a fucking baby. Yes, because you thought you were growing a plant or something in there. Oh, I don't know what I thought was going on, but... Oh, she was all drugged was up and tired. Well, it's, just, it's also like you can't believe it's here. Yeah. yeah. And it comes out and it's exactly as advertised. Like, that was the thing. It's, aside from its head full of blonde hair, which I didn't expect, um, he looked exactly like he did in the uh, in the ultrasounds. Which is crazy. Yeah, funny. He's got the <laughs> Jessup waddle. Yeah, because Every baby he does has a waddle. Well, he's got, he's got mostly your Brin's features. But he also, there's, there's kind of a, a Ted aura to him. Does that make sense? He has a Ted presence when he walks into a room. <laughs> That's what he's got. Yeah, but also yeah. things like as he starts to grow a little bit, he might take on certain things. Oh, I'm sure he like will. He, he's going to take on both of our personalities. He's going to be a giant goofball and incredibly sarcastic at the same time. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be <laughs> a lot to handle for people. Well, there, there tells the story of Frederick Fox Jessup. That's right. Actually, is he awake? Yeah. Can I bring him over here show Brian? Uh-huh. Yeah, we're gonna show, I'll show you him. You haven't seen him really on, in the flesh. Are you still wearing? Wanna, your, are you still wearing a uh, hospital bracelet? Yeah, I am. I haven't cut it off yet. I'm a loser. Haven't cut one off. <laughs> My bracelet. Oh yeah. Just haven't gotten around to it. I don't know where to put it. Here we go. You throw it in the garbage. It's not unless you're putting it as part of some baby uh, book. Right. Come here. I think we might. 
Here he is. <laughs> and look, he's got little foxes all over his shirt. Aww. Say hi to Brian. Hey, he has little no buddy. idea what he's looking at. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have his eyes open. Brian's setup is really cool. Yeah, she likes her setup. You look really profesh. Thanks. He says thank you. I can see him talk. <laughs> oh. All right, all right. I'll get you back to mom. Okay. Okay. You got him? I got him. All right, there we go. Uh, how many months yeah, does, the does the does the flopsy baby next like regain some muscle where you can actually put him in a baby Bjorn and just walk around with him? I think we can. Or it has to be a setting that we put the baby Bjorn on. Um, so I think we can walk around with him now. He's getting better. Or like he's got to be like up to the chest, right? Right. Close enough to kiss. Close enough to kiss. So like tummy time is an important thing with newborns, where you just sit them on their tummy and watch them. Because if you do that when they're in the bassinet, you know, they can roll over and suffocate. But if you're watching them, a lot of good stuff comes from tummy time. Because they'll start that's when they start pushing themselves up and getting their heads up. Yeah. So he's already starting very minimally to get that head up. It's just a little bit off the ground. Right. Almost like you're doing like a really sad push up. <laughs> but for a baby it's pretty good. <laughs> And he's already starting to do that. You can see him wanting to like experiment a little bit and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, it was good. Well, and then he had that. Oh, yeah. And uh, oh, what what were the movies I watched? Oh, so I was in and out of movies the first night home. So I just hit the Disney Plus hard. So I told you I was in the time. So the first night was Mrs. Doubtfire and Big, and then I did Turner and Hooch. Um, that thing you do. Real Tom Hanks and, kick. But then I went Adventures in Babysitting for ah. the third movie, for my trifecta. And it was really annoying, too, because I used to love Adventures in Babysitting when I was a kid. So my babysitter rented it for me because you know I love Thor, and the little girl in that movie is obsessed with Thor. Now, there's a scene at the end where they meet up with this mechanic, and the mechanic has long blonde hair, and the little girl's convinced he's Thor. Do you know who played the mechanic? I don't think I've ever actually seen Adventures in Babysitting. Ah. Famous name. He does not have the Thor physique anymore, unfortunately. Uh, let's see. But he does still kind of work in the superhero world. Hmm. This actor. So. Okay. Yeah, shit. I have, like. Oh, it could be anybody. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Who was it? Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, oh Kingpin. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah I wasn't Kingpin. thinking that, but... I can't remember if it was... It must have been po uh, pre-Full Metal Jacket, because he was in good shape here. Well, Full Metal Jacket was like 86. When did Adventures in Babysitting come out? I thought it was like 88, Adventures in Babysitting. Yeah, so it was post. Yeah. So anyhow, yeah, so that was kind of cool. But the, the annoying thing is Disney Plus cuts out all the cursing. <laughs> So, like, there's, like, hey, there's a scene where she goes up to this guy and she says, don't fuck with the babysitter. And on Disney Plus, she goes, don't fool with the babysitter. Ugh. It's like a grade Same. six trip to Midland where we were watching an edited version of Speed. No, no, we watched the real version or, yeah, of Speed sorry. on that trip. Uh, it was the, it was the after, Fox, so that was the first, the Fox yes, version Fox. of Speed. Yeah. Forget you. <laughs> yeah. And that was the other thing. He, um, he, he, guy calls a guy, the one guy calls someone an asshole, and they bleep out asshole with airhead. Yeah. Like, and ugh, uh, he, when he looks under the bus and he's like, oh, fuck me, he goes, oh, darn, which is funny. Yeah, he says, oh, they double up the oh, darn. Because the guy on the phone actually says, oh, darn. Like, that wasn't yeah. actually an edit. That, that, that. And it was a Die Hard with a Vengeance. They had him say Melon Farmer instead of Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My college buddy Nate Hoffman always called people Melon Farmers because of that. <laughs> yeah. No, they, uh, at this point, just let people curse. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast where they're talking about, like, the history of shock jocks and, like, Stern and the legacy of Stern. And it's like, mm. you know, since he went to, ter uh, when he went off terrestrial radio to uh, satellite, like, you know, he's, yeah, he's he has the, he can curse more and do all these things. But radio in general has also gotten much more racy. That, like, what he did in the 90s wasn't even that big of a deal when you think about it, no. what it is now. Like, well, just like censors have just loosened the reins on everything. Well, it's like married with children. 
You know, remember how married with children was like the most cringy, disgusting thing on TV. Oh yeah. And now it's it, it's the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> theory yeah. is more disgusting than married with children it's so tame by today's standards well not only but, that i think it's also because yeah. you know you can see the enemy in the face like al bundy you can see his lewd comments where it's like now everything is like in a little more sub subtext but it's actually yeah. more crass in the subtext when you actually think about it whereas he was just like out with it well i think people also want someone who they can get kind of get behind you yeah. know what i mean and it's funny that you mentioned stern because I I never got into Howard Stern. Yeah, it was never um, that. Like, I, I was driving with my brother. He would sometimes have Q. He used to love Howard yeah, Stern. Yeah. Like, yeah. Other than that, I never really made a point of, like, I'd hear him the occasional time. But I never was like, oh, because we were also in school. Yeah. But where I really turned the boat on Howard Stern. Um, I turned the stern on Howard Stern. <laughs> if you will. Um was when he started doing America's Got Talent because they brought him on to basically be the next Simon Cowell. Yeah. They thought he was going to be mean to everyone. He was going to tell everyone off. So the first episode, some, like, little kid goes up to sing. And the kid had a terrible audition, but he's also, like, six or seven years old, yeah. right? And so Stern hits the button, and then he looked at, like, Robin's there. He's like... What, they start booing him. He's like, what do you want me to do? And the kid gets get through, and Stern goes up on stage and sits down with the kid and talks to him and gives him a hug, and they had a nice little moment. And I'm like, this is a different guy yeah. than the guy who's on the air. This is a guy who's got some humility, and apparently the producers got really mad at him because they were like, at first, because they were like, no, you got to be mean to everybody. You know what I mean? you got to be mean. And then he just kind of thought, like, look, I can do that on my show, but on this show, these... As, on his show, he's, he picks the guests, right? Yeah. On this show, he's got no control over it. And there are some people that you you don't want to see spectacularly fail in front of everybody. Yeah. You know, sometimes someone comes up and they, you're rooting for them and it just doesn't go great. And he was able to show another side of himself on it, that show. That he wasn't just a guy who's a, a dick to everybody. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they always say that he went, uh, once he made a lot of his money and left terrestrial radio, he got soft and everything. So. I say he got soft. I think he just kind of became the the real Howard Stern. Well, yeah. It was more on what was on the air than what I was I mean, that that was also presented. like, you know, the 90s and everything like that shock jock era was just a time capsule, right? Yeah. Because, I, I mean, even like your, your average morning show doesn't have that style anymore. Even on like the rock stations, like they'll have guys that are little goofs, but not to that degree. I don't want to go on a bashing terrestrial radio streak here because I might lose my job if I do that. So just leave me out of that. I don't have a dog in that fight. Well, I'm, I'm just saying they've the, that whole that that's just a a bygone thing. The shock jock now because partially you know you'd have to go pretty far off the the reservation to shock people now because everyone's seen everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like outside of calling someone a freaking cunt or something like on the air. Like, well, yeah, like, I think people also now, after like the not, you know, what we've been through the '90s and everything like that, I, I think people now just kind of want someone they like. Well, that, and I think know, the, that someone who's a, you know, because back yeah. then, you know, like you know, we're you're still, I was a big wrestling fan. Like, what was big in the '90s was these big personalities, right? Like that was when The Rock became yeah. a, a star. Stone Cold, these big personalities. Stern was a big personality. And uh, in this in this podcast, I listened to you know even like Rush Limbaugh. He was a, a political shock jock, but he was a big personality. Mm. Um, and whereas now they want like an everyman. They want someone. It's yeah. like I could do this. You know what I mean? Like they, like the the people on like the Indy eighty eight, the Toronto Morning Show, Josie Dye, and two other wieners. Like I could easily waltz over there and take their job. I have more personality. Those guys are a bunch of plugs. Um, but it's like that's like every guy you see on the street. You know what I mean? It's it's so there's that relatability there. That's what people want today. Well, I will say this for the world of radio. Me, the time we came up in radio kind of maybe the worst time for me because it was right at the end of what they were teaching me yeah at Niagara College was kind of on its way out yeah 
one of the things I've learned is this is the way I talk. Yeah. The way you hear me talk on the podcast is my voice. Yeah. It's not a big radio put on. But I've had a couple of times people tell me when I've handed in a, a, a demo tape. Yeah, I know I'm not into that big radio voice. Or just sound like yourself, man. And then they spend time with me and they'll be like, oh, you, you are. You are. <laughs> you are. That is what you're doing. How many college? They were like, you guys just sound like yourself. And then I think it was Tuff said that. Ron Tuff said that to me. He's like, you sound like yourself, Teddy. Don't do this big radio gizmo thing. And then he's like, all right, well, I've been your teacher for a couple months, and that is just who you are. Well, it's funny. Like, <laughs> that's unfortunate because that's going to hurt you. And it has. It has a little bit. It, it is a bit of a put on in the sense of like you're, where you dial it up a little bit because I was, my parents and I were driving through Perry Sound one time when I was working at the camp. Yeah. And my dad just got, he couldn't, he couldn't stop chuckling. Because he's like, ah, oh, I can't be that's little Teddy there. It just sounds so different. Like, it's because you're, you know, you're how you talk on the radio isn't different, but like that kind of professional Teddy radio kind of thing is a bit different. Oh yeah, 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 so, yeah. Like, yeah, you do you do talk a different way in that sense. Yeah. Yes, where you're, it, it depends on the bit. If you're trying to tell like a real personable story, you might do something different. But if yeah. you're talking about a Arts and crafts fair happening this weekend. You <laughs> yeah. Might be a little more like arts and crafts. Make it sound big. How many know. times have like you been sitting in my den or my family room just yelling at each other and like then pivot that from you on the radio? It's like night and day. <laughs> well, this is this is why I like doing this podcast with you because uh, if you, people think that we're faking anything, no, this is this is sorely uh, <laughs> sorely mistaken. Well, this is how we are. It's like. I thought at first, at first I thought you were going to be like this is how we do. <laughs> oh no, no, not quite. But no, our, actually, our there, there was Adam, something I kind of. Our old, our old buddy Adam, I saw that he left a uh, uh, a review on the iTunes. He's like, it's literally like standing in a conversation with these two idiots. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, he, we love that. He's doing well at least. What were you going to say? Uh, no, I was I was actually when you were talking about this is how we do it. I was gonna actually try to bring the conversation back around to music. Yeah. Was uh, I wanted to get like a pretty good playlist going uh, for Freddie for when I'm driving in the car with him. And I know right now music is just crap in the background. You probably can't hear most of it unless yeah. you blow it right in his ear. Yeah. But I want to kind of start developing that and like uh, any picks. What kind of good tunes would you play for a a toddler, an infant? Um, baby elephant walk. <laughs> uh, you can play any instrumental, though. Yeah, you know, it's just got a cute name. Doesn't necessarily mean it's no, but it's just like that, for children. That, that very, it's got that soothing. Yeah, okay. That was one of probably one of the most fun songs my grade ten band class or uh, music class got to do. That was so fun. But uh, I mean, I don't know stuff with like. I mean, obviously, you're not you're not gonna blow his friggin' little eardrums off with like Floggy Molly and shit, but uh, maybe like uh, slower ballads, uh, maybe things. With, oh, okay. Just for the soothing factor, but if it's, uh, I mean, maybe things with just like different instrumentation, like almost like you know, I'll I'll never stop plugging Oingo Boingo, but uh, you know, some of the in the music or the uh, instruments they use are very dynamic, like the xylophones and. And some of their yeah, stuff, okay. like, it's very quirky. So I think they they might respond okay. to that. It's like the musical equivalent of something very colorful on screen. You know what I mean? The couple that I've been playing was one is uh, one I've been playing a lot was the the Aquabats. Oh yeah, because a lot of their music is re- like really fun. I think the guy, the lead singer, founded the show Yo Gabba Gabba, yeah. which I'm definitely gonna show Freddie. Like the Super Ska show, so that's a good, that's one. And then the other one actually has been the Ramones, because a lot of their songs are very like they're heavily influenced by like fifties rock. Yeah. So a lot of their songs are like going to the beach, you know what I mean? Uh, You know, you're a punk rocker. A lot of them can be really translated into easy listening for children. Yeah. You know, maybe not Pet Cemetery or the KKK (laughs) took my baby away. Maybe I'll avoid those, but uh, yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll be when he starts developing crushes on women. Be like, yeah. don't let your best friend take your broad. <laughs> Especially if he's extreme conservative to the point that you have to call him the KKK. Yeah. <laughs> what a perfect, what a nice sentence to wrap that one up on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 
Oh, I'm also pleased to say that my booming laugh has not woken woken him up. In fact, I was scared the first night because he's sitting there. I'm holding him. And he's making faces at me, right? And I started giggling at all the faces he's making, and I was worried that my oh, 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 would wake him up. And uh, it didn't. Actually, a big laugh. I was watching. It's always sunny. It was the Christmas episode, and uh, it wasn't when Frank comes out of the couch, oh. but it's like just before they put like the smoke under his door to think that there's a ghost there. He's like, "Fire! We're all gonna die!" He like breaks the window. I started laughing there, and I thought I was gonna wake him up because I was laughing so hard. I think he but sleeps pretty deep. He slept right through there. it. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So there it is. There's the birthing story. And uh, shout out to my wife, Bryn, for giving birth. The real son. MVP. The real MVP of this whole thing. <laughs> all saga. She did all the work. And, uh, yeah, that's the, that's your episode, people. Yeah, that's that's the... It's very off topic from what we're ta- talking about usually. But uh, we'll be back sometime next week with Jack Soul. Yes, I will finish listening to... Well, you know what? Now I got a cool setup, too, where if I just let him sleep on my chest, I can have one headphone on. And just bellow out, listen to, listen to whatever. Yeah. So, I'll get back into that. Well, you, I think you can have two, because I think if he starts crying, you'll hear him through the headphones. <laughs> yeah, it depends how I listen to my, my hearing is shot from our childhood of cranking the uh, Discman up to ten with our earbuds in. Not earbuds, those wraparound headphones. Yeah. Well, who told you to do that? You always did that. And I was like, I kept mine at like six or seven. <laughs> Didn't want to hear anything else. Just my music. Just my tones. Just Jimmy's chicken chick. <laughs> That's all I wanted to hear. On that note, what a trip down memory lane, Jimmy's chicken chick. Why'd you play a little do right to close out this episode? <laughs> Let's hear that. Yeah, I'll take a break I from do, classified. Do, I do right. What do I do? There it is. <laughs> all right. Thank you for uh, attending this show. We'll get back into uh, Jack Soul next week in our regularly scheduled programming. You can find us on Spotify. Leave us a five-star review, much like Adam DeLaw did on the old Apple Music. And uh, follow us on Instagram. I'm Ted. I'm Brian. You're singing, Jimmy. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha.